story. Welcome back to the Townies Podcast. I am Kim Maxwell, and I am a townie. I am a townie who loves other people's stories. I teach a weekly writing and performance workshop here in my ridiculously small fishbowl of a town nestled in the foothills of Ventura County. And for 25 years, the raw and vulnerable musings of my brilliant and courageous students have sent me home filled with hope. Some of my beloved students are seasoned professionals. Some have never even been on a stage before. But there they are, up in front of a live audience, flinging themselves and their brand new words into the abyss. Their reward? They have been heard. They matter. Their words matter. And the audience? Well, they have just officially been granted permission to do the same. To go out there somewhere and take a big old risk. And that is the sacred exchange between terrified storyteller and gracious audience member. Permission. I love people's stories. Because stories are what connect us. This is the Townies Podcast. Welcome to the neighborhood. Episode 7, I Hate It When You Come Home, Part 1. Kicking things off, Bedtime Story, written and performed by Leslie Paxton. A fairy godmother with a killer sense of humor and the most calming voice of all time. Leslie is a badass, kind, fun, interesting, and full of stories that everyone should hear. I would hire Leslie to read me to sleep every night if I could. Good morning. Your father and I are responsible for your life now. No nurses standing by, no safety except what we provide. Do you like your own special room? See, there's no door between us, so we will always hear you. I want so much to create the world from scratch for you, my baby girl. Make a sparkling new world where nothing will harm you or make you unhappy, especially not me. Oh, can I trust that it will never be me? <laughs> I want you to love your new home as much as I do. There's a fireplace and a piano in the living room and Central Park right across the street from our apartment, which is rent-controlled, an impossible find we got because your Auntie Margot is sleeping with the landlord. Oh, I shouldn't tell you that. You live in New York City the center of the world, the city of my heart. It is June. Listen, sounds of the city are coming through the open windows. That bell is the ice cream truck. <laughs> you are going to love ice cream. <laughs> Here is your father who is writing music on that piano and who amazingly found something in me to love. He pried my heart open. And now here you are, to open my heart even more. My heart is letting 
so much love in, it's about to pop. <laughs> Still, there has been enough room in my heart for a small field mouse that somehow had found its way to our fourth floor apartment. <laughs> I grew up in the country. We always had mice. To me, an imaginative seven-year-old, they were adorable Beatrix Potter illustrations come to life. To the adults, they were disgusting rodents. They had the evidence. A mouse drowned in my father's eggnog right before the big Christmas party. <laughs> He dumped it on the ground outside where our spaniel lapped it up, got drunk, and almost drowned in the creek. <laughs> a mother mouse shredded an expensive merino wool blanket stored in the linen closet to make a nest for her babies. There were telltale nibbles on a box of saltines, mouse-sized tooth marks on a Smithfield ham, and a missing chunk of a Lady Baltimore cake that we were apparently sharing with a party of mice. <laughs> there always came the time when more and more things were ruined by the little marauders and traps had to be set. I hated the sight of those evil traps and begged my father not to put them out. You are too soft-hearted, my mother said, exasperated. Don't you understand? They carry germs. Well, maybe I am too soft-hearted, because I like this little city mouse, this animal spirit, rummaging in my closet and scampering through my living room. <laughs> no, no, in my own home, where I'm the adult, where I set the rules, a mouse is allowed to run free. I even leave little bits of our dinner for it in a dish on the kitchen floor. <laughs> it's not like it's a rat. New York does have big, ugly Norwegian rats. The management has just covered the floor of the air well outside our window with concrete to keep them out. The bratty little boy in the next apartment tells me he saw two Jockos coming out of the ground right through the wet cement. Jockos, I ask? You know, daddy rats. I picture them shaking off the concrete like water grinning with their horrible yellow teeth <laughs> and giving a Bronx cheer. <laughs> of course, our mouse was nothing like that. Last night, after I put you in your cradle and I fall asleep dreaming, a scuffling, scratching sound enters my dream. I wake up to realize it's real and it's coming from your room and I know what it is. My heart turns hard and cold as ice against this mouse that is betraying my kindness by menacing you, my beautiful infant. Right now it could be peeing on your pillow or, or making a nest in your hair or sucking milk from your lips, giving you its germs. What kind of mother am I? Where's my promise to protect you? I run into your room. You are sleeping peacefully, but I see a flash of guilty rodents fleeing the room. <laughs> Pulsing with outraged mother tigerhood, I run to the bed and shake your father awake. We have to kill the mouse! <laughs> Groggy with sleep, he struggles to catch up. What? He says, I, I thought you liked the mouse. <laughs> no, 
I cry, don't you understand? It carries germs. <laughs> Do you realize how late it is, he says? We'll do something in the morning. No, you have to go out now and buy a trap. <laughs> he gets dressed and goes to the all-night hardware store, <laughs> probably thinking that being married to me is going to be a very bumpy ride. <laughs> he returns with an evil trap. The spring on it terrifies me. My mother told me people are always losing fingers setting mousetraps. She has a repertoire of cautionary horror stories. <laughs> I decide bacon will make the best bait. It seems to me mice might be tired of cheese <laughs> or suspicious of it. Your father helps me set the trap. Not easy since I'm wearing an oven mitt to protect my fingers. We put it on the kitchen floor. You wake up, so I nurse you, and we all settle down for a cozy, snuggly, satisfied that our problems are over night's sleep. Around two in the morning, I wake to a thumping in the kitchen. <laughs> I assume it to be the death throes of the mouse, and I don't want to go in until they stop. I am wide awake now. My heart echoes each thump. I pray it will end quickly. When after what seems like an eternity and the thumping doesn't stop, I cautiously step into the kitchen and turn on the light. The mouse isn't anywhere near death. Its eyes are bright with fear, but it's unhurt, except for its right paw, which is crushed in the trap. My first instinct is to release it, tie a bandage around its boo-boo, and send it on its way. I have to remember why I am doing this. Anyway, how could I free the mouse without losing a finger or getting bitten? I rush into the bedroom and shake your father. You've got to help me. The mouse isn't dead. It's flopping around with a trap on his paw. What should I do? He barely lifts his head from the pillow. Throw it out the window, he says. <laughs> and goes back to sleep. I'm horrified, afraid to walk any further into the dark streets of your father's mind. <laughs> I leave him to sleep on my own. And alone, I return to the kitchen. The mouse is exhausted, no longer struggling. I bend down to it. It gives me a heart-wrenchingly appealing look. I make myself look straight into its eyes. I have to do this for my baby, I tell it. <laughs> and you are hurt. It's kinder in the long run. I. I had read once that the least painful way to die is by drowning. I, I looked into ways of dying in case I had to make that kind of choice. The kind of choice I am now making for the mouse. I take a bucket from the broom closet, fill it with water, put it down next to it. Like a prisoner watching his gallows being built, the mouse tries to shrink inside itself. I'm sorry, I say, as I pick up the trap with its dangling mouse. 
and drop it into the bucket. Oh, thank God, it's over. I hear a splash. <laughs> it's not lying peacefully at the bottom as I imagined, but it's fighting for its life, paddling frantically at the surface, the trap clanging horribly against the side of the metal bucket. <laughs> I plead with it to die. <laughs> At first I'm anguished, and, and then as it goes on, I'm furious. And you know I have no choice. I tell it, you carry germs. <laughs> I grab a broom and push the mouse under the water. <laughs> the mouse that I once let run free, push it under as hard as I can, until in a burst of bubbles, it is finally still. A sluggish dawn reaches over the rooftops. Through the window, I see lights beginning to switch on across the way. The air is heavy. It's going to be a muggy day. I wrap the tiny, wet, dead thing in a clean dish towel along with its trap. And as if I am burying it at sea, Send it with a prayer down the garbage chute to join the wretched refuse of the teeming shores. I am unable to move. I feel as if everything in me has been emptied out with my hope that I can give you a world that is sparkling and new. It is at this moment, my baby girl, that you awaken and begin to cry, answering you, my breasts fill with milk. Nothing else matters. I rush to you. I can't wait to hold you in my arms. Thank you, Leslie Paxton. Oh Mama, written and performed by Chloe Snyder. You heard her in episode four. Long, blonde, and beautiful, Chloe is as smart and scrappy as she is kind. A mother of two, a wonderful actress, and a real-life Charlie's angel. This morning went like this, waking up to poop grunts. <laughs> Untangling myself from Miles, I reach over, scoop up Jax. After she's changed, fed, puked, pooped one more time, it's my turn for coffee. Some days I have coffee first. Sorry, Jax. <laughs> Some glorious mornings I wake to find Todd hasn't left for work yet, and there's a cup waiting for me. Miles yells from the bedroom, Mama! Oh, I cuddle him, hold him. Hey, big guy, bath time for all of us. She poops again in the tub. We all stand up, warm him, wrap her, dry him. Everyone brush their bucks, yeah. Everyone dress, me last. What am I gonna wear? Who cares? That looks like shit and it's time for school. Here we go. We will not be late today. Todd, please don't make breakfast. I don't have time to clean up after you. All right? Bogart, our shepherd, sighs. 
He wants a walk. I do too. Miles doesn't want to go to school. He pouts for 10 minutes, repeating, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. <laughs> Can you tell me why? Can you give me just one good reason why? Todd is moving a folded, the folded laundry off the bed. No, 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 no. Do you know how long it took me to organize that into four piles? Now it's just one big lump. Can you just put it in the fucking drawers? <laughs> Out to the minivan. Really? A minivan? <laughs> I try to buckle Miles into his car seat. Bogart steps on the back of my flip-flop, breaking it as I run back in to grab Jack's. Stop following me, Bogart. <laughs> Where did I put the diaper bag? Do I have a clean bottle? I buckle Jax into her seat. She cries out, oh, it's okay, sweetie, it's okay. Come on, Bo. I try to explain to him why, why he can't come, bribing him back in the house with a piece of turkey. Todd, can you get the dog? <laughs> back in the van. I hate this van. <laughs> Miles cries crocodile tears. He really doesn't want to go to school. He clings to the passenger seat as I try to remove him without losing my temper. Mama has to go to school too. <laughs> Excuse me, has anyone seen where I went? It's like I don't fit in. I don't fit in my body. I don't fit in my pants. I don't fit anywhere. Except for Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> Late at night when the kids are finally asleep, that's where I fit. Oh, Sons is dark, suspenseful, stimulating, heavy. Jack's teller is delicious. <laughs> Gemma, the mother character, she's strong, badass. They're street smart like me. Oh yeah, their pain fuels them like mine once did. None of this is gonna end well, but I can't stop watching. I identify. I want more power. I want more choices. I want to be selfish some days. I want to go for a ride on the back of Jack Teller's motorcycle. <laughs> Shorty want to be a thug. <laughs> Just kidding. I want what I have. <laughs> what happened to the creator, the writer, the performer? I'm scared. I'm scared of being a bitter woman who sacrificed it all for her children, laundry lumping lover, and dorkmobile minivan. <laughs> My first play I wrote, The Blueberry of Life. My fifth grade teacher has us perform it in front of the whole school. It was brilliant. <laughs> I played The Blueberry of Life. I designed my costume so at the end struggle between the trolls of the dark and the fairies of the light, they pulled at both my arms, and then as the Velcro finally whipped open helium blue, balloons exploded out of me, dead. No one got to have the blueberry of life. Curtains closed. <laughs> what happened to her? Jeez, whew, I mean, what a journey. I've been busy amending my brokenness the result of many unconscious choices. You can say goodbye without even knowing you left. Did you know that? I'm just tired, you know? I'm tired of wondering about success, the kind that radiates on the outside, accomplishments measured by how much and who can see, validation of achieving whatever it is I'm supposed to in this life. I cried out, please, please, like, show me. What do you want me to do? What should I do with my life? I don't know, God, please. And. Oh my God, season five of Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> it is so hardcore. Oh, it stimulates parts of me I left behind. 
insurmountable obstacle, obstacles overcome. They always find a loophole in, in the system. Their pain fuels them like mine once did. These women's greatest fear is what mine once was, losing the chance to mother their children because of a life they can't even see is a choice. The dishonesty ignites me. <laughs> why, why, why? Why does my family always have to come by when the house is a complete shithole? Why can't they stop by the day I just cleaned it? What, do they have surveillance cameras? Do they sit outside and wait? Are they like, oh my God, the trash can is overflowing. She hasn't done the dishes from breakfast, lunch, or dinner. The baby just pooped on the floor and dinosaur toys are everywhere. Move, go, 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 go. <laughs> Ding dong. The neighborhood? How about a coffee? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely, my incredibly organized and multi-talented family. Please come in for a coffee. If you can get to the kitchen before stepping over Big T-Rex and Dick the Apotosaurus, <laughs> watch out for the baby poop. It sticks to your feet. <laughs> you know what? Why don't you guys just go sit on the patio furniture you gave us? God, I'm such an ass. What is wrong with me? <laughs> Sons of Anarchy, season seven, the final season. What the fuck? <laughs> Jack Steller, I am so disappointed in you. You are not the man I thought you were. Everyone's dead, you self-centered, vengeful piece of shit. You know what? I'd rather go to Chuck E. Cheese in my Dorkmobile minivan than ride on the back of your motorcycle. It's over. <laughs> what was I thinking? I don't want that. I didn't want that when I had it. Humboldt County Jail sucked. <laughs> Not as bad as Ventura County, but it sucked. <laughs> no, I didn't do hard time, but I could've. Oh, I escaped so much disaster. I have been humbled in ways that forced grace. I need to remember that when a glass of wine somehow equals relief in my brain. Pour me, pour me, pour me another drink! Oh! God! Thank God! You know what? Thank God! Thank God it's over! Thank the universe! Thank me lucky charms! You know what? And that's when, in the middle of all of it, that's when I found him. The him that didn't mind my darkness. He actually built a fire right next to it. The him that saw it all and didn't run or even attempt to change me. The him who became the father of my whiny, poopy, needy little blessings. <laughs> Be careful when you pray for purpose. <sighs> How does a mom of two, like, get a groove back? <laughs> I still have no idea what success looks like on me. Maybe it's just the simple fact that I survived myself. And in doing so, I found a love that I couldn't find anywhere else. <sighs> Obviously not the fairy tale sense of it. I'm a mother. I'm doing this mother gig. I missed so many steps, and now my life is full of you. Now I have this constant purpose right in front of me. <sighs> Miles asks for his favorite shredded cheese, white cheddar. I answer the phone and pass him the Costco bag of Tillamook as I step into the kitchen. Maybe it's three seconds, maybe a minute. Shredded white cheddar cheese now covers the entire living room floor. And he's laying in the middle of it, flapping his arms and legs. Look, Mom, it's snow angels, just like Alaska. <laughs> snow angels. Life is a fucking beautiful mess. That's what it is. 
It pours out in every direction and creates a mess that you can see and touch and smell. <laughs> you know, I'm just keeping it real. Real messy. I have folded laundry that will never make it to the drawers. I have the strongest, most loving, beautiful, messy breakfast maker in the world. An amazing daddy who works harder than any man I've ever met. And we share the same heart. I have a son who challenges me to my core. He has questions and pure innocence. He has laughter, creativity, and science. And we share the same heart. I have a daughter we call Joy, even though her name is Jax. She is fierce and beautiful, wild and busy. She can make anyone smile. And we share the same heart. So now what? <laughs> Wisdom is coming with age, but so is a lot of other shit. <laughs> the void. The void. Mama's gonna work on it. Maybe it'll be spiritual path or creative ventures, but for now, it's covered by your smiles, your laughter, your tears, your knees, your chubby little thighs, your chubby little toes and your great big bag of white cheddar cheese. Telling it like it is, Chloe Snyder. Dear Doris, written and performed by Katie Newcomer. Katie is a superstar poet and monster musical theater nerd and adorable and funny and smart and I bless the day. This bundle of all things positive and sparkly walked into my studio. Dear Doris, Joni Mitchell's album Blue is only about 35 minutes long. Kind of phenomenal when you think of the multitudes it contains. She is quoted as saying she felt like a cellophane wrapper on a pack of cigarettes. She had no defenses and no secrets from the world. It went on to become one of the most significant albums of the 20th century and a defining piece of my own personal history. There's a lesson here about small packages. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Doris, at the time of writing this to you, I have no idea what I'm doing and no clue how it will work if you come to exist. But I'm beginning to suspect that no one ever does. It takes a lot of courage to be alive, baby girl, and I'm totally working on it so things can be nice and sparkly when you get here. I have already decided your name, Doris Bridget. It's really good, right? <laughs> Doris is your great-grandmother's name. She is kind and simple 
and the best neighbor a street could ask for. Bridget was your grandma Kathy's middle name. Actually, her original middle name was Ruth, I later found out. But after some rift in the family with someone named Ruth, Grandma Betty made her change it. <laughs> I'll later tell you about how your great-grandma Betty drank and didn't make life easy. I never got to meet her, and Grandma Kathy didn't talk about her much, but I know she was gorgeous and very funny in her prime. I also know she often wore one pant leg rolled up. Later, a man named LL Cool J attempted to make that popular. <laughs> Anyway, Grandma Kathy chose Bridget as her new middle name. I'm sad you can't meet her. She was quite a woman. I'll talk about her whenever you'd like. So, Doris Bridget, that's how I will name you. Or that's my decision for now. You'll learn that we change our minds, and that's okay. Hopefully you'll learn a lot from me since I went to all this trouble to manifest you. <laughs> You'll learn about monsters. When you're little, you'll call them boogeymen or scary ghosts. When you're older, they'll change form, but they'll still exist. They won't be boogeymen, but you won't always know what to call them. They can make you feel as big as a pinpoint in a large black drape, like a forgotten piece of glitter in the wings, like your ego has eaten you and you are swallowed sound. They are shapeshifters, chameleons, and joy robbers. I'm still figuring out how to battle the grown-up monsters. I think it may be that we have to love them. I'll keep you posted. When you are born and they give us that piece of paper that says you exist, I will take white out to the words birth and certificate and replace them with permission and slip. I will scratch out the words pounds and ounces and inches and feet, and I will draw you pictures of monarchs and sycamores, the ocean and cumulus clouds. This is how you will know you are enough. I will frame it and hang it over your bed and nag you to take it with you when you leave for college because permission is really important. <laughs> I promise to only nag you when it's really important. Maybe we have to be like Joni, Doris. Maybe we have to make ourselves cellophane and sing out our monster songs. I'll let you know. Love, Mom. Katie Newcomer, cracking open our hearts. story. Please join us every other Tuesday for a new round of freshly minted stories. I am Kim Maxwell of Kim Maxwell Studio, and we teach people to launch their stories loudly and unapologetically into the world, to laugh more, risk more, and have bigger lives. The Townies podcast is co-produced by Lily Brown, Asa Larmonth, and Ken Eros. Studio engineering and mixing by Arrows Creative and Sound. The Townies theme song was written and performed by Rain Perry, recorded and mixed by Martin Young, and mastered by Mark Hallman at the Congress House. The Townies podcast is in part made possible by a generous grant from the Ojai Arts Commission and the City of Ojai, a small town with big stories. You can find out more about us at thetowniespodcast.org. Thank you for listening.
Let's try one without me dropping the cable on the <laughs> ground right in the middle of it. Cable. Uh, here to kick things <laughs> Just so you know where I come from, dropping a cable means pooping, Ken. <laughs> here to drop a, drop a cable. Drop the cable. Drop the cable on this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs>